Hey, 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 welcome to a new episode of I Mean, Can We Discuss? And this is dun, 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 season two, episode two, or if you guys are keeping track, it would be episode 44. And I am your host, Astrid Ferguson. See how I almost forgot to put that in there? Me trying to keep track with the numbers and all this stuff. It's okay. We're going to be all right. But today I have a special interview lined up. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I hope you are getting through those resolutions. And, you know, we're coming into, what, about half of January now. So we have officially settled into 2020. Um, So hopefully you guys are keeping up with those manifestations, goals, intentions, what have you. So today what I wanted to talk to you about is the special guest called Naomi Simmons. But she actually writes that with a G. The G is silent. Of course, me, I was trying to pronounce that with the G in there. But hey. (laughs) that's Astrid for you and Naomi Simmons holds an MFA from Columbia University School of the Arts and Poetry and Literary Translation her words can be found at Words Without Borders The Believer, Slice Magazine Europe Now Journal The American Journal of Poetry Penny Thoughts of UK and America, Shraddha, among others in the U.S. and abroad. She has read from her translations at the British Library's Anglo-Saxon Kingdoms exhibition in London, was selected by the Poetry Society of New York for a residency at the iconic Mid-Manhattan branch of the New York Public Library, and was a 2019 Alta travel fellow her manuscript the errant was a finalist for the geisher journal's first book prize she lives in new york city and she was actually a performer for the supernatural anthology i actually got to visit and be a part of that when they came here to philly which was pretty nice it was different and I got to see her perform alongside one of her friends who actually plays the tabla. Um, it was pretty neat to watch because I had never seen that before. And it has, you know, it has to do with like Native Indian heritage. So it was pretty cool to watch. So I won't keep you any longer and we'll get right into this interview. You're listening to I mean can we discuss and I am your host Astrid Ferguson we will be discussing different issues that can be debated articulated chopped up any kind of way there's no real set way to this it could be culturally it could be socially it could just be how we're feeling today so you're here for the randomness and I hope you're here to stay so remember to subscribe share and tell me what you think for the classes and one of his professor friends who teaches at Columbia happened to be a medievalist and Anglo-Saxon scholar and she taught the class one day 
and brought in these poems. And I, I was just blown away by the language and how fresh it was. And, um, and it actually what did it was Shea Matheny's translation of this poem called Deor. And I loved how it was this really old poem, but it sounded very, um, like, alive. Um, so I had asked her a bit about about the manuscript, and she kind of filled me in, and she's like, yeah, nobody's ever really done a big collection of this particular manuscript. Um, many poets have translated Anglo-Saxon, but just, you know, individual poems and things like that. So... I was like, oh, let me check this out. So I, I did, a, did a little digging and some research and ended up falling in love with a couple of particular poems in that manuscript, which is called the Exeter Book. And um, two of them happen to be poems written in the voice of women, and they are some of the only, maybe the only, don't quote me on that, um, poems in Anglo-Saxon in the voice of women. Um, and something about that I was like, these really need to be freshly translated and um, on the gal for the job, I think. So I kind of just took on the project and it was this five-year journey of of kind of, you know, going back to, since English is my native language, you know, why not look at the, the beginnings of the language and, and kind of see where it's come from and how it's developed. And also, I was really interested in the ancient female voice and bringing that putting that back into history and getting that back into the canon. Um, so it's kind of become a project that I'm very interested in any kind of um, ancient literature, either in the voice of or written by women, and digging those up and making them fresh and putting them back into the world's, you know, canon. Um, I think we need that right now. So that's kind of how that project unfolded um, and it's become a bunch of different iterations the the book and then um, screenplay based on the poems and some other things so yeah I'm very excited about that project um, yeah anyway so that's how that came about dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a um, a very interesting, you know, project. I've, I haven't heard anyone doing that, so it's interesting to hear you um, talk about it and be so passionate about it. So let me take you that take you back to the beginning. Oh. So when did you know you wanted to become a writer, and why did you choose poetry? Well. I think, you know, before everything else, I, I was a reader, you know, um, I started reading, my mom taught me to read, actually, I thought I was four, but she said, actually, I was three. And so I don't ever remember not reading my whole life, you know, I've just always read. Um, and, and when you read a lot, you eventually start writing. And I think when I was quite little, I would just mess around with things. And I, I believe I kind of wrote silly things like prairie mysteries and things like that. That I have no evidence of that. I, that nothing remains of that, so nobody can dig that up. Thank God. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I kind of messed around with that one as a kid, and then um, I I think 
I'm trying to remember the first poem I ever wrote, and I'm pretty sure it was when um, there were a couple of years when I was homeschooled with my sister, and my mother had us look at these paintings, and then she said we should write a poem based on like what we saw in the painting. And so I did that, and then that was kind of like the first poem I think I ever wrote. I was probably like like nine years old or something like that. And then I kind of got into poets like Edna St. Vincent Millay and Emily Dickinson when I was young, and then in high school kind of stumbled on um, uh, <laughs> Allen Ginsberg um, in the library and was kind of blown away by that. Um, but that was that was pretty much it. I mean, I was reading stories and I was reading constantly, but I wasn't writing a lot. Um, I did a lot of drawing and things like that. And then I kind of ditched it for a while, um, just stopped writing and didn't really get into it um, until about 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, probably 10, 12 years ago now, I'd say. Um, just started writing some stories because I was having these crazy dreams and I just couldn't get out of my head. And, and that's kind of what got me into it, the writing again. And then I was like, you know what, I, I was in Seattle at the time, and I've al I always wanted to move to New York, so I decided to move to New York and just come here and eventually made it back to school um, to get my bachelor's. And I saw that there were some free poetry classes advertised. Um, and I was like, free? Cool. Let's check that out. And then the teacher was like, why are you not like always writing poetry? And I was like, yeah, good question. So that, I think that's kind of where that was like the the no turning back point where I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And yeah, so that was, yeah, close to 10 years ago, I'd say, but. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess I never really thought about that before. But yeah. I like, was yeah, really little and then came back to it as an adult, you know. Right. I always um, like taking people back to the beginning because it helps you also realize when was the aha moment and mm -hmm. how much you've grown, you know, yeah. as a writer. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, it's funny, the things that we are drawn to when we're children are actually like when we think about it, those are really the things that, you know, we're, we're meant to kind of stick with. Um, and sometimes it just takes a lot to get back to it, but, you know, hopefully we do. Um, and I think what it is, is like, there's something about language and the power of words and the kind of, you know, I like this idea of the magic word and being able to create something out of, you know, language. And I think that's what fascinates me with, with reading and stories and fairy tales when I was a kid you know, these worlds that you could just get lost in. Um, and I think poetry has that power as well, and and just language in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you want readers to gain from your poetry? Oh, God. Um... Well, I think, you know, as a reader myself, the thing that I love, and I, I think, you know, Emily Dickinson said that thing that everybody, 
you know, repeats is if it if it takes my head off, that's poetry. I'm not saying that right, but you know, something that kind of grabs you and and makes you feel something. I mean, I think that's uh, any writer, you know, I think wants that. It's like to be able to give that feeling to somebody that they've enjoyed in in reading a text, um, and you know. I mean, if it can make people laugh or cry or change their life, that's like a bonus. So, you know, it's kind of reaching for the stars, but why not? (laughs) Right, you should always reach for the stars. Aim for your ideal life, right? Totally. You know, and I think it's, you know, life's too short, and especially we were seeing, you know, all these, I mean, there's always been things going on throughout history, but, you know, there seems to be a kind of urgency right now. It's like, it's now or never. I mean, if you don't do what you want to do, you might not have as much time to do it. And, you know, the planet is literally on fire right now. So, (laughs) Um, I agree. Uh, Look, I agree. We won't even get into that, but I agree. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, right, right. This will go on a whole other tangent. Uh, so, you were one of the writers for the Supernatural anthology, which is where I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you performed, right? Yeah. Um, with the yes, I, <laughs> a friend of mine who plays the tabla. Yeah, it was an experiment. So, not yeah. something I'm used to doing, but it was interesting. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely met you because I was there like in your face recording. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, did you record that? That's awesome. Yes. I, um, I actually, oh, you said you don't have Instagram. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I can definitely share the video with you. Cool. (laughs) So, um, I, you know, I've done some readings and usually I just do a more traditional reading. Um, but I do like to collaborate with other artists and just see what happens, you know. Yeah, maybe it'll spike something creative, you know. So tell me, what headspace were you in when you were threading the words together? Or how, you know, in other words that someone might say is, what was the inspiration behind your writing for the Supernatural Anthology? Um, well, I mean, it's actually, I love the idea that Maddie and her crew, you know, thought up and, um, fantastic introduction to love the sort of manifesto style introduction in it. Um, I actually found that through an art open call and I was like, oh, this is perfect because all the ideas, you know, behind supernatural are kind of things that I'm already working with themes in my work, um, like magic and and nature and, you know, anarchy ideas about the future and um, things like that. So, um, yeah, so basically it was kind of just like, oh, well, everything I write basically fits into that thematically. So that was kind of how that came about. Um, Yeah, so I was very happy to find that. I'm happy to meet everybody and the contributors and you know, hopefully it'll do really well. We're going to be bringing the books around in Manhattan this week. 
um, to bookstores. So people and people can go online and get a copy um, at perennialpress.com. Um, definitely check it out. Very very cool. Yeah, I think it's on Amazon too, right? Um, I, that would be cool. I I haven't heard that yet. I'll check that out and post a link on my site if that's the case. <laughs> I mean, I I think it is, guys. I'm sorry. Um, that one I didn't do the research on. I bought the book when I was there, so <laughs> we'll check it out and we'll it'll be online for sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So where um. Who are some of your favorite poets? Oh, God. You know, I always say, like, I have favorite poems, but I the thing about poetry, it's like, you know, you can be the best poet in the world, and if you're lucky, you can get, you know, a handful of just sort of stunners in a lifetime, and how lucky for you. You know, that's kind of my thought in poetry. It's, it's not so much about the poet although I do think there's a bit of a you know people tend to think of poets as like oh you're a great poet so all your poems are amazing um but I tend to look at individual poems but I do I mean somebody who just recently passed away is W.S. Merwin and he was an amazing um, personality and something really gorgeous and stunning about his work and very prescient for right now I think um, so if you haven't read him, I definitely recommend W.S. Merwin. Um, and of course, all my friends, I read all my friends' work. <laughs> and um, Sarah Maria Medina is one of my dearest friends, and she's an amazing poet. Um, not really, she's been in some journals and has a book coming out. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of people, <laughs> other people. <laughs> Um, the English poet Alice Oswald, I really enjoy her work, and she's actually one of my favorite um, poets to listen to at a reading. Um, I think she she does an amazing job, and, and she does everything from memory, which is very unusual for maybe in like spoken word nowadays. Um, so she's, she's a wonderful person to read. Um, and of course, I'm forgetting everybody. I mean, there's so many. I had I've had so many wonderful mentors, um, some of whom have passed away. Lucy Brockboido, I mean, is the top of the list. She is one of a kind, and her style is all like what we call what she called the feral school. Um, so I hope I can be included in that school. Um, but yeah, she's definitely up there um yeah genevieve blair is a canadian poet who's amazing um also a friend of mine (laughs) (laughs) shout out to my homies yeah Um, yeah but there is something about (laughs) yeah something about being a reader um and and a writer and then and this is something i've kind of thought about in the last couple of years, I was a part of this amazing workshop in New York with some poets who are not necessarily, um, you know, doing only poetry for a living. They have other stuff going on or they're older, but they've, they just love poetry and they write poetry. And, and that was a nice um, community to be a part of. Um, and there's something about writing in a community. And I think, um, 
you know, we never, we're not writing in a vacuum. We're like in the world. And so there's this idea of the poet in isolation in the garret or whatever. Um, but I think that, I mean, and maybe that's changing because there's so many Instagram poets now. And I, I, I think I even read about that poet who's, you know, one of the highest selling poets this last year. And she's one of the Instagram poets. So that's definitely changing. Um, oh, you, you mean Ruby Core? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Obviously, I don't have Instagram, so I'm a little bit out of the loop. Oh, no, I thought you meant that as a joke. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I actually, I admire that. And I think that's something that's, uh, you know, as somebody who's like, um, I consider myself to be like, in love with literature and and the written word like literally written like on the paper and in a book you know and I and I I handwrite when I compose in a notebook I don't use a laptop for writing poetry um, but that's not to say you know I mean I think that most people would be surprised to think that I you know would laud the Instagram poets because I am so like far behind technologically than most people in you know the last two generations or whatever um but um i think there's a place for every voice um and how wonderful that people who aren't interested in poetry have suddenly thought about language and communicating in a new way you know so i, I don't disregard it at all I, you know it's not my it's not my style it's not the the method that i write in but i don't discount it by any means um yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you're right everyone has has something to say and everyone has their place in writing um it's like an art you know um yeah, totally I and i think that with the um you know there's been so many um mfa programs in the last you know 10 15 years and people coming from that sort of background it's nice, too, with the Internet that anybody anywhere can just, you know, if they want to, like, put something out there, they can put something out there. That's, I mean, it really is one of the best things about the Internet. It can also be the worst thing about the Internet, but, you know, that's a whole other tangent as well. So don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the Internet is for. They put us in comparison competition modes, right? Mm. Yeah, I try and stay out of it for the most part, but yeah, like I said, I'm not writing in a vacuum. So, Right. So, obviously, when I had record on this, it had cut you off at the beginning of where you were saying that people could find you and your website. Oh, okay. Um, so, just tell us again so I make sure I, I keep this in here. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Um, yes, you can find me at NaomiSiemens.com, and that is G as in gnome, N-A-O-M-I, and then last name Siemens, S-I-E-M-E-N-S, like the big German company, dot com. And, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep it updated at the moment. That's, it's kind of a placeholder for what comes next, which is, waiting in the wings where, you know, everything is in motion, but not a lot has come to fruition yet. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 
So take me through like a supernatural theme because some people may not even consider that as a possibility when they're writing about poetry. A lot of people tend to write about like love and happiness and trauma, a lot of overcoming trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're blending emotions and the supernatural theme, can you like kind of guide us through that? Sure. I mean, I think... Um the main thing is probably most people writing from their experience. And so, you know, I think that tends towards, you know, personal experience, the first person narrative, um, you know, what's happened to them as a child and that sort of thing. And I, I'm coming from a place of, of, you know, kind of like a Jungian soup of, of the unconscious and, and deep sort of basically the mysteries of the universe is like what I'm trying to uncover. And so it, at a certain point, um, you just kind of, it's almost like channeling in a way anyways. So um, things just come up, come to the surface. It's almost like working with dreams. I don't know if you've ever written your dreams down or anything like that, but I find um, writing poetry to be a bit like that, um, where you're, you're kind of, you see images, and you're kind of trying to just like get it all down and sometimes it doesn't really make sense and you kind of have to sort through it and create meaning from this kind of you know it's almost like a negative image and you have to find like the reverse of it um if that makes sense (laughs) uh yeah so it's like threading threading a story backwards yeah, something like that. It's like you you have kind of like flashes or, or sort of like little like puzzle pieces or photographs and you're kind of like, okay, well, these are the, the images that are coming through. So, you know, how can I organize them in a way that they're legible? And that doesn't necessarily mean sense, um, like a narrative sense or anything like that, although I have definitely written poems like that. But um some kind of emotional resonance that that sticks together, you know, something that holds together, um, and that that usually comes in the editing process. Um, yeah, after the fact. Um, yeah, I think the main thing is is to always be working and always be and always observing and always taking notes and always um, kind of seeing seeing what I can see, you know, and then figuring out what it means later. And, and in a way, that's kind of fits in with the theme, even if the poem itself doesn't seem to, just because it's, it's the kind of process that, that that happens in. So, yeah, I think that's kind of, I don't know if that makes sense at all. <laughs> You're like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> now it's Look, everyone has their process. Um, I I find it um, very interesting and intriguing when I hear every artist process of getting it out of the brain and making sense out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that the body is plays a big part in that too, especially with poetry and even in prose. I mean, I kind of write from a place of like a physicality that um, 
I think can sometimes be lacking in, in certain work. Like, I mean, to bring it back to technology, I, I've written lots of essays on this, but the idea of sensuality and the idea of like the physical object and like the tactile, sensual, like experience of just encountering the world through your senses and how we've kind of limited that with, um, you know, looking through iPhone cameras and looking at screens and and this sort of thing. Um, and I think something that I think is essential for poetry and writing poetry and any kind of themes that arise from any anything is is taking a step back from that and experiencing the world in that physical way. And I think that that's um, pretty important. And I feel like it's being a bit lost. Um, in the world right now so if i can do anything to kind of keep a little thread of that still running in the world then well that's great <laughs> yeah yeah um so now shifting to it being about you <laughs> even yeah. though this has always been about you <laughs> <laughs> okay. what do you do outside of poetry or writing um, at the moment, that's that's what I'm doing. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I so I recently graduated uh, from the MFA program, and I oh, decided. I, thank you. Yeah, it was a long schlag. I also have a kid, so um, you know, years and years of working million part time jobs and going to school, and and with the kid is always, you know. I think I needed a moment to just focus on my work. So I, I decided I'd take, you know, a few months and just kind of I was working on my novel and, and some essays and things like that and went to some conferences and did some, some readings abroad and did a little book launch. And so, um, but yeah, so I'm going to try and keep that going. Um, might, might do a little bit of teaching coming up in the coming year. Um, We'll see. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. How how old is your your child? Some boy or girl? He is a boy, and he he's just gra he's about to graduate college. Actually, he's just turned twenty. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so your, little. <laughs> your goals for me right now. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, don't worry. It gets better. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it, it definitely was helpful. Like when I reached the master's program, he was a little bit older. So things became, you know, when you're not having to pick them up and drop them off all the time, things get a bit easier, you know, as much as I can as a parent, obviously there's always stuff coming up, but, um, but yeah, so, so in a way that's great. Cause he's kind of figuring out his stuff and, and I'm kind of figuring out my stuff and yeah. And you guys can figure out stuff together and, you know. Yeah. Well, and he's, you know, I really admire him. He's, he's kind of going in an interesting direction. He's, he's a welder and loves the kind of physical crafts and things like that. So he's kind of a bit old school in a way. But um, that's actually, you know, a lot of we need a lot of workers now because people are aging out of the um, trades. So I think he kind of is going in an interesting direction for the future. But, um, you know, in some ways, I, I feel like we do the same thing, but in some ways, I kind of envy, like, that physical object. I mean, 
could definitely argue that a poem is a physical object that you create, but um, yeah, he gets to play with fire, so that's cool. <laughs> you can play with fire too. You can burn up a poem. Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> no, I actually, it's so funny. I, I love camping, and there's this conference that I go to, a really amazing, worth checking out. It's called the Great Mother Conference in um, Maine every year started by Robert Bly, a poet in the 70s, still going strong. And um, uh, yeah, we do fires there. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, I don't know if you're into photography at all. Definitely, yeah. Um, I got to um, do like the like when you have the, the ball of fire as it's going. Oh, wow. And take pictures. That was pretty cool. It was scary, but it was pretty cool. Like legit cauldron moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got That's to take a, a couple good shots. But, you know, I'm I'm still very much a baby photographer. So we <laughs> go in there. <laughs> I, I actually started out doing photography when I was a teenager. And that was kind of like I wanted to be a photojournalist and like go to war zones and things like that. <laughs> I changed my mind. But I still like taking <laughs> pictures. But it's funny. I actually gave up photography when people started going digital because I was just like not into it. The digital photography back then was pretty shitty my French and um yeah but I'm, I'm starting to get back into it I, I tend to prefer like film and you know the sort of Polaroid situation which I guess is coming back <laughs> yeah everything comes back right yeah photo booths those are great mm-hmm <laughs> So tell me, uh, what advice would you give to any like emerging writers who are still finding like their style or struggling to make a breakthrough with their writing? Uh, um, I think the main thing is you just have to write as much as possible and, and just keep doing it. And the thing about personal style and things like that, it's like they kind of it, it never stops changing. It never stops. Like the more you, you know, go through life and have experiences, um, the more, you know, your perspective changes. And so your writing changes and, and it can get, it can deepen and, and, you know, be a bit more muscular. Um, but I think you have to write those bad poems. You have to write those bad stories and you just have to keep doing it. I mean, I'm still doing it, you know, like I, I'm never like happy with what I write. Like I'm always kind of like, you know, it, it's a constant, you just have to keep reminding yourself to keep, keep going. And, um, and I think that's important. And it, one thing I think for young writers to remember is just like, don't get so obsessed with writing that you forget to like live. Because I think that when you're, when you're just focused on this kind of like, writing about yourself which all young writers do um you you forget to look around sometimes and look outward and there's a lot to see in this big world you know so just like have fun and check things out and maybe take some notes (laughs) but yeah just keep going that's what i would say yeah like you said you have to have fun with it try different things Yeah. yeah and i think too like because 
you're doing it for a certain reason. Like you like it, you must like it. Otherwise you wouldn't do it. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. of course all my friends, like we always talk about how it's like, we love it, but also we kind of hate it because we're so compelled to do it. So there's no getting out of it in a way. And I think it's kind of a good place to be in when you love something and there's no other option for you in a way Like you have to do something, but, um, it can be intense as well. So, yeah. So enjoy it while you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think if I could piggyback off of your, your comment, I think of the part that's not enjoyable. It's the pressure, mm. um, assigned writing, um, mm. having the, uh, the times like you have to hand something in having the deadlines because that's what I don't like yeah like I yeah. like but I hate blogging because mm-hmm. I have to get it out <laughs> mm-hmm. well um definitely that can be so stressful but the, at the same time you know I'm kind of in a different place right now where I'm creating my own deadlines and um you know, nobody is saying I have to finish my book by a certain time, like that's on me. But I I think deadlines are kind of fantastic. And I think, you know, anybody that has gone to like a class on organizing, I took this amazing class called Getting Things Done um, when I was going through school um, as like, you know, just a little group counseling session. And it was fantastic because you realize everybody else is dealing with the same stuff. Like everybody, nobody likes deadlines. Nobody likes the pressure and feeling that stress. But at the same time, it's like, you just get it done. You know, you just, um, and, and later when you're on your own, you're going to be really missing those deadlines because they're like lankers to cling to, you know, you can little milestones to meet. And I think when, when somebody else is expecting something from you, you're more likely to get it done than if, if it's just, you know, more often people let themselves down and they don't want to let somebody else down. Um, so, I mean, what I've had to do is just, you know, make a promise to myself that I would get my stuff done because I deserve to get my stuff done, you know? It's like, I'm expecting it. I should get it done. But, yeah, enjoy the deadlines. Enjoy the pressure. It's great. <laughs> look at it from a different angle um so you said you're working on your manuscript um you're writing a novel right Mm, yeah okay Mm -hmm. so do you already have a publisher or um no looking for one um i'm looking for many publishers (laughs) oh okay um, well, so I have a finished poetry manuscript that I've been sending around and that's, you know, that's good to go. That's, you know, I've been done with that for a bit. And then, um, my Anglo-Saxon translations still are out looking for a publisher for those. Um, I do have an artist that I worked with on my, some other projects. And so we possibly want to collaborate on like a coffee table book type, like, you know, an art book type of thing. Um, and then the novel is kind of just in the initial stages of being finished. So um, right now it's being read by some friends and uh, who I trust and who know my style and and everything. So it kind of it's kind of in the initial 
finishing stages, I'd say. It, there's more work on it to be done, but but yeah. So and um, yeah, and I'm also still kind of trying to figure out like the screenplay situation as well. So yeah, lots of different kinds of publishers that I'm kind of looking for, and I've already kind of started notes on my second novel and my second poetry book as well. So that's there's a lot, like I said. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, yeah. Just, you know, go go for the moon, right? <laughs> word, word. But yeah, I mean, I do have a, a lot of individual poems coming out um, in the spring, this coming spring, and quite a lot, actually, um, that are being published. And uh, those will be listed on my website as soon as we get a pub date. And... Um, there's uh, my collection of old Scottish translations is coming out as well um, this month, actually, on Asymptote. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. So that's, that's something that's that's published, cool. but not like the actual books right now. They're like still being sent around. Yeah. That's cool. So. How has the experience been going looking for a publisher? Because I always hear the same thing from all these different writers. They have to, you know, they take like a, a bunch of rejections before they find a home. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have I have a huge file of like a submissions file on my email that's quite like I, I never even look in it. I just like once I get the rejections, I just move it to the file. But um. Oh yeah, it's it's like a lot, you know, and it, it has nothing to do with what I can tell for people looking for publishers. Nothing to do with the quality of your work. It's just there's a lot of people submitting things, and so there's a lot out there, and um, you have to find somebody who's really into your work, you know. Um, and yeah, it just takes a lot of sending things out. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, completely agree with you. Um, it's tough, regardless of what what direction you choose to go with, whether it's a publisher or self-publishing. It's just, it's a tough industry. Mm, yeah. So yeah. my next question might be a little risque, but we're going <laughs> to ask it anyway. Bring it on. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think that all writers, like, let me rephrase that. Do you think that all writers should obtain a degree to be considered a good or a serious writer in the writing industry? <laughs> I'm just going to go with a straight up no on that one. Yeah. Um, I think it was important for me just because I needed the time to write. And, you know, I was a single mom with a young child and so school was a and I, I never finished you know my undergraduate degree as a young person so for me school was kind of like great because it, it provided structure was able to get insurance and have time to write and I just really wanted to learn um, and so that it was great for me but um, yeah I definitely don't think it's necessary um, there's been lots of great writers who've done really, you know, had their work published who never went to school and um, or who went and dropped out. <laughs> There's a lot of great writers that dropped out of Columbia. Um, a lot of the beats, you know, never 
graduated. Um, yeah, I don't think it's necessary at all. Um, and, and a lot of people will even say that now on there. There's a lot of fellowships available for people who haven't been to MFAs who are maybe from underrepresented communities and or immigrants or things like that. And they just, you know, aren't able to whatever, like just can't go to school or they're just not coming from that sort of place. Um, I've seen a lot of things recently um, opportunities to take workshops or to have mentors. Um, so there's other ways too that you can, if you, if you feel like you want that structure and you want to like take some classes, there's men, there are many options. Um, in the city we have the Gotham Writers, which is I've heard wonderful things about. I've never taken a class with them yet, but um, I've heard great things and that's not a degree program. That's just a you know, sort of stay-as-you-go individual classes. Um, and you can also just, like, have one of my favorite things before I went back to school was getting together with some of my friends in my living room, and we just would write and maybe have a little wine and just hang out. And um, that's kind of how I started, actually, when I was, before I went back to school, when I first started writing again, was just getting together with other writer friends and hanging out in people's houses and talking, you know, and writing and sharing work with each other. Um, and that's a wonderful thing to do. And that doesn't cost anything. That's, you know, get a potluck together with your friends and hang out. Um, so, yeah, I would have to say no on that one. <laughs> Okay, good. So I can continue writing. <laughs> oh, oh, please. You know, and I think that that, I think that's very important that people are writing that haven't been to school. Not to say that there's anything wrong with going to an MFA program at all or, you know, going for your PhD or anything like that. I think they're wonderful and maybe someday I'll, you know, also want to get my PhD as well. But um, it's more of a personal choice for like a particular kind of research and learning. Um, but no, definitely, you know, keep writing for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. So tell us of any upcoming events that, you know, um, you want to let us know about that people can help support you. Um, I know you said you have a couple projects and a couple books. Um, yeah. So, um, the, Definitely, I would encourage people to check out the Supernatural Anthology, which is at perennialpress.com. And um, I do, I'm out of copies of my Scottish translations right now, but if you check out um, foldyard.co.uk and contact the gallery, um, they can probably ship you some copies. Um, I have to go back and restock from them. Um, yeah, and then just like checking out my website for what's coming up because I have a lot of things coming up um, in journals, like I said, in the next couple of months. Um, really excited about an essay I'm working on about the ancient female voice as queer. Um, and I'm just diving into that topic right now and getting really excited about it. So that'll be coming out um, for you guys in a, you know, in the springtime. Um, 
Yeah, no upcoming readings right now, but I'm definitely open. If somebody wants to invite me to read at that bookstore, please get a hold of me. Um, I had some requests to come up to Boston, so I'm looking into maybe doing a reading in Boston um, in the springtime. But that's that's TBD at the moment. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so yeah. you guys heard the plug. Yes, hit her up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, for hire. For <laughs> right hire. <here>. Accepting <laughs> for sure. more applications right now, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm also looking into doing some freelance work. And I, if anybody is interested in, you know, sort of individual, um, needs somebody to look at their work and, and wants comments, I'm open to, like, that sort of work as well, too. So, um, yeah, I'm always happy to help with their writing. Yeah, Cool. I'm going to keep your information so I send you some of my stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I can't wait to look at this amazing, beautiful website you have. It looks gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I worked hard on it, girl. I worked really hard. (laughs) Well, I'm very proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So thank you so much, Naomi. For coming on here. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed yourself. This wasn't so bad. (laughs) Yeah. A little little nervous at first, but see? (laughs) Well, I just felt a little bad about (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Totally uncharacteristic, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it is for me. I'm usually late. This is the only thing that I'm usually on time for, so... Yeah, you really care about it, I can tell, so that's great. <laughs> right, we care about you guys listening, and you, you know, as a guest. But anyway, I won't keep you any longer. Your past, your past um, podcasts on, through your website and your blog, and, and I see this podcast link here on your website, so I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's yeah. where it is. That's where it lives. Okay. If you have, um, I don't know what kind of phone you have, but if you have, like, Apple... Uh, yeah if you have that then you can listen to it like if you subscribe every time a new one comes out you can listen to it right away and you can find a lot of decent things decent podcasts on there as well cool yeah like I I think the only one I've listened to so far is, is Strange Magic which I heard they're just changing their name so but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, guys. And thank you so much for listening to I Mean, Can We Discuss? And I was your host, Asha Ferguson. Thank you so much. <laughs> Ciao. And that was a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening to I Mean, Can We Discuss? Don't forget to subscribe, follow us if you want to see what we're up to, what projects we're up to, and enjoy the rest of your day, night, wherever you might be. I was your host, Asher Ferguson, signing off.